Hi everyone, welcome to this month's Beef and Lamb New Zealand Seen and Heard. Long-time listeners might recall that name from when we ran a conference call series a while back. I needed a name for this podcast series and it's environmentally sound to recycle, so there we go, I'm going to use it again. And for those of you who know what this podcast is about, you'll realise that was a neat segue. Because today we're joined by Dr Brendan Malcolm of Plant and Food Research to talk about catch crops. And if you've listened to our earlier and might I say excellent and very popular podcast with Ross Monaghan of AgResearch on good management practice for winter grazing. You will have heard him mention a little about catch crops. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, make sure you do straight after this one. And as you'll hear, catch crops may be able to make a significant reduction in the amount of nitrogen leaching loss under winter forage grazing. And that's a really handy complement to the role that good winter grazing practice plays in reducing sediment, E. coli and phosphorus loss across the surface. So that's across the surface and today we're going to talk about leaching. And of course everything we're talking about here is about looking after the animals as well, feeding them well and ensuring their welfare. So here to tell us all about the opportunity with catch crops is Brendan Malcolm from Plant and Food Research. So welcome Brendan, Um, put you on the spot, what do you do for a living? Um, I'm a a scientist for plant and food research. I've been here for just over uh, four years. Um, I did my PhD through Lincoln University under Keith Cameron, and that was all about trying to quantify leaching losses um, from from pastures and also looking at um, different pasture compositions and what effect that might have on leaching. So I guess um, the take-home from that was that winter activity is key to reduce leaching losses. Um, yes, yeah, so I've been at Plant and Food for four years, still around um, trying to quantify leaching, mainly yep. from winter forage crops, um, and then also looking for ways to reduce leaching losses, so looking at uh, mitigation options, and mm-hmm. then in this case it's with catch crops. Yeah, so working in le- it's a pretty good time to be working in leaching, so to speak. It is, really. <laughs> All right, so look, we're going to go in a minute into you know the key take-home messages, but um, here's a challenge for you, I don't know, in a nutshell, in a sentence, mm. what's a catch crop? The catch crop, yeah, well, I mean, sometimes it's referred to as a cover crop, and we're using it as a catch crop in this case, and really what we mean by that is a short rotation crop, um, which is used um, specifically in between, say, two main crops to really improve the environmental uh, outcomes, um, and um, in this regard it's to do with nitro leaching, trying mm-hmm. to use a crop to, to mop up the nitrogen and reduce leaching, so it has a very intentional um, you know, way about it in terms of trying to reduce environmental yep. impacts. So I try and get the key messages up front because some people listening might have short attention spans. But um, before you go into your key points, um, the other key one is it can actually make a significant difference? Yes, it can. Yep, And we've got a few trials using lysimeters and large uh, field plots to show that it can reduce the leaching loss by up to about 40 or 50%. Cool. All right, so we are going to spend some time, as always on these podcasts, getting into the nitty-gritty. Um, over the next 40, 50, 60 minutes, we'll see how long it takes. Um, but for those with, as I said, the short attention spans, um, what are your take-home messages? If you had them in an elevator for a couple of minutes, what, what would you want to get across? Yeah, I guess there are three main ones to begin with, um, and they evolve around what crop, you know, when do I sow that crop, and when do I harvest it? Mm-hmm. So um, if we look at the first one, what crop, um, we've shown that the cereals tend to be better um, to be used for, uh, for catch crops than say a grass or even um, Italian ryegrass. It mm-hmm. just has a lower base temperature. It's quite a big seed, so I can handle some pretty rough uh, conditions. When it's, and we're talking about trying to sow these in the middle of winter mm-hmm. directly after grazing. Um, and yeah, as I said, it's just a bit more interactive, um, and it can um, it has the potential to to mop up more nitrogen. 
The other one is when to sow, and basically it's as soon as you can get on the ground, essentially. So whether it's June, July or August, um, as soon as the conditions allow to, to, to get in there and, and, sow the, mm-hmm. and sow the crop. And then the other one is when to harvest. Um, basically you can harvest any time after sort of the middle of October. Um, anything that you do with the crop is not going to have any implications on nitrate leaching as such. But if you're really wanting to maximise yield and quality, then around that green chop, stage um, which is when about 50% of the ears have emerged mm-hmm. is probably the ideal time so trying to maximise ME as well as, as, as get a, a yep. good amount of biomass mm-hmm. from the crop. Awesome. And I guess just one last point there is that uh, the season has a, has a big effect on, on both the growth of the crop, how much nitrogen is taken up and, the, and ultimately what the effect is on nitrate leaching so it's mm-hmm. not going to be the same from year to year essentially. Yep. Excellent. Right, so we're going to drill down um, right onto all those points you've just summarised neatly and talk about differences by area, by stock class, soil type and those sorts of things as we go through. But look, a little bit of background first. You talked about um, the research, what it's found, um, but one of the acronyms people will hear if they read or, or listen to this is FRNL. Yep. What's that stand for and, and what is it? So FRNL, yeah, that's the, the Forages for Reduced Nitrate Leaching Program. Um, it's um, a nationwide program uh, funded by MBIE. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a six-year program led by, by DRNZ, has a number of partners included, and it's a, a multi-sectoral um, approach. So we're looking at, um, um, at sheep and beef, at dairy and, and arable systems. And really the, the main objective is to identify ways to reduce uh, leaching by, by 20% farm scale and that's primarily using plants yep. so whether it be trying to to, to better uh, balance the um, the nitrogen that is taken in by the animal so that you um, that you minimize the amount of nitrogen excreted mm-hmm. or whether it's trying to identify plants that are simply better at growing during mm-hmm. those those cooler months to take up more nitrogen okay. so uh, and the focus is um, in FRNL have been around plantain um, around sort of uh, mm-hmm. a fodder crop which mm-hmm. is very high in, in carbohydrates and low crude protein and then obviously another focus area is on catch crops. Yep. Okay so the catch crops are actually only one of the options that have sort of come out of that work mm. to help farmers with their nitrate leaching yeah. aims or, or the objectives. So um, just uh, yeah, making some notes there, they'll future podcasts I think coming up. But look we're going to focus on nitrate leaching today and the role of catch crops in that. So um, set the scene, here's a, here's a basic one. Why is I mean, everybody's talking about nitrate leaching, want mm. to minimise it, stay within targets, reduce it or cap it, etc. Why is nitrate leaching a problem? Uh, well, it has implications in terms of water quality. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the more nitrogen that ends up in our waterways, potentially the more uh, risks there are associated mm-hmm. with sort of human health. Um, yep. And there hasn't been that many cases in terms of the likes of blue baby mm. uh, syndrome or, or the likes. Um, but it can also cause mm. you know, surface water you know, yep. eutrophication and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's about trying to, to, to minimise any risks associated mm. with nitrate leaching. Yep. And obviously, yeah, um, yeah, farmers are, are being sort of regulated now yep. on, on nitrate leaching. So, um, yeah, it's pretty topical. Yep. So the blue babies where the nitrate bonds with, in the blood prevents its ability to take up oxygen. And that, that, that that's bond? essentially yep. right, yeah. Okay, just setting. I mean, we we take some of these things for granted. I think we talk about this right. We're going to deal with nitrate leaching and just understanding exactly why it is important for doers. Mm. And it's not just because there's regulations in place, but why are those regulations in place? Mm. What are the 
I mean, some of it's fairly obvious, but what are the issues with winter crops specifically around nitrate leaching and why there's been some focus on that? Yeah, well, the thing with winter crops is we're dealing with high-yielding crops, um, so high stocking densities, mm-hmm. and what that means is there's a huge amount of, of uh, nitrogen in the cow urine that is deposited onto the land. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we're dealing with annual crops means that there's no sink for nitrogen, there's no actively growing plant after that grazing has occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and this all coincides with uh, the winter time primarily, so you know that's when drainage is occurring. And so because of that, um, the leaching losses are particularly high, and we have measured them to be quite a bit higher than, say, in the, in the pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not um, perhaps as high as what we thought they might be, and that's because okay. the crude protein um, amount in the crop is less than, say, in pasture. Okay. But it's still, it's still particularly high, and that, mm-hmm. and that poses an environmental uh, mm-hmm. issue. So certainly as a, as a focus point in terms of trying to reduce leaching losses from those areas of the farm. Okay. That's it. Oh, we're going to get, move on. i just pick up on what you said there about um, when you've actually measured losses, then they haven't been quite as high as perhaps were modelled before? or is that So some of that information is going into the likes of Overseer as well, or what's...? Yep, yep. It... So, um, and part of our objective in FRNL was to make our data sets available for Overseer. Mm-hmm. So it's about... Um, you know, uh, collating all the data that we have and, and making that available to them to mm-hmm. be included in the, in the model. But yeah, we've we've taken a number of approaches to try and, and quantify leaching losses, whether it be um, through lysimeters or um, the likes of what sort of Ross Monaghan has used using tile drains and, and the likes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, like we thought that the leaching losses could be up around sort of 200 kilograms mm-hmm. of nitrogen per hectare, but we're thinking that somewhere probably more between 60 and 120. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I guess, is, is uh, good news, um, but it, it, it comes down to the fact that it's um, that these crops are not as high in crude protein okay. as what there is in pasture. Yep. So, so simply by by modelling mm-hmm. up um, using using data from from urine patches on pasture, well, we thought they could be particularly high, but yep. um, but no, that's not the case. So that's good news. And the other good news, as you said, is that this then catch crops can a forty to fifty percent reduction. Does that? Um, is that pretty standard? Does it ha- does it vary? How does it vary? I mean, if you've got a, you, you talk about the range in leaching there, mm. is the impact bigger or smaller on when you've had a higher leaching potential? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess uh, probably not phrasing this question very well, but um, does it vary much that that impact that forty to fifty percent? Well, well, to be fair, we haven't. Um, we've only been trying to quantify leaching losses over the last two or three okay. years, so. So we've still got quite a bit of work to, to do there and trying to, to determine what that variability is. But yeah, mm-hmm. for sure there will be a, quite a large amount of variability and it comes down to rainfall, the amount and the timing of rainfall. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what we can do is, uh, in the interim, is we can take our, our data sets, mm-hmm. we can use them for, for developing models mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, for, and for validating models. So then we can actually look at, we can check that those models are behaving correctly. Yep. Uh, or they align with what we're seeing mm-hmm. in the field, and then we can actually run some uh, scenarios looking at mm-hmm. long-term weather uh, conditions and try and get an idea on what the variability is and what the average reduction in leaching might be mm-hmm. under a catch crop on an average year, if you like, because yep. because we never get an average year when we yeah. run our yeah. trials. No, fair enough. But that that forty to fifty is um, I'm not going to say again. I'm not going to pin you down so you can hang your head on mm-hmm. it. But it's pretty consistent that sort of impact. Yeah, well, the trials that uh, we have run and that others have run out of Lincoln University have shown mm-hmm. that in a dry year, the leaching losses can be reduced by up to about 40 or 45%. Mm-hmm. 
um, and last year we, we had a trial. This is still being a process mm-hmm. that hasn't isn't out and um, through through papers yet. But yeah, you know, in a wet year we, we still saw leaching losses around that forty to fifty yep. percent. So, okay. um, all right, that's what they can do. How do they do it? How do catch crops actually um, technically have that impact on nitrate leaching? Mm. So there are two main main mechanisms involved, really. So the first one is probably obvious. It's around nitrogen uptake. Uh-huh. So the fact that you've got an actively growing plant um, is taking up nitrogen and therefore reducing the amount of available nitrogen um, in the soil that, uh-huh. that can be leached. And the other one is is around um, reducing the amount of drainage that occurs. So obviously you know, uh, leaching is particularly driven by, by drainage volume uh-huh. and by having a a catch crop in the ground that's transpiring water, so it's actually pulling water out of the out of the soil and reducing, um, yeah, and, and reducing drainage. Um, there's potentially a third one in there. We're not so confident about it, but but what we've seen in our trials is that the reductions in soil mineral nitrogen when you compare mm-hmm. other fallow treatments versus the catch crop treatments, mm-hmm. the the reductions are greater than what we're accounting for in in the okay. crop. Yep. So. Um, my only uh, thought around that is having an actively uh, growing plant um, is actually injecting carbon into the soil mm-hmm. and, and carbon is used by other microbes okay. um, and, and they use that with nitrogen um, to, you know, as energy and they essentially immobilise the nitrogen mm-hmm. and, and um, they pull it out of that, that uh, sort of leachable okay. pool if you like. Yep. So, but that's, yeah, that's a more speculation. It's mainly around nitrogen uptake and reduced drainage. Okay. And we're going to dig into each of those. So the first one around nitrate, nitrogen uptake, um, and you talk about why there are issues with winter crops, one of which is around you know, winter, cold, wet soils and that sort of thing. And also early on, though, you talked about sowing those catch crops as early as you can get onto the paddock, mm. you know, technically mm. do it. Um, is the, you know, even June, July, or that sort of thing, when the soils are still quite cold, mm. you know, it's cereals, they're growing up, are they still having a, a significant impact even then when it's cold, they're not growing that fast, they're able to... Yeah, I, well, from what we've seen, they're having more of an effect on the leaching that occurs in the spring rather than yep. in the winter time. So the effects start to to come through, okay, sort of yep. early uh, September onwards. Yep. Um, but even when when the crops are small mm-hmm. and there's not much there, there's still quite a lot of mm. of nitrogen that's in the crop. So the the, the nitrogen upper scents are up around sort of five percent. Okay. So if you have only even only like a ton there, that's about fifty units of 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 in that's in the crop. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's more, the early sowing mm. is, is to have the crop well established and ready when springtime comes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. I get you. And I guess the other point is is that you know urine that is de- deposited during those real cool months, mm-hmm. it's going to take a while for that nitrogen to go through the various sort of uh, processes, particularly ah, okay. nitrification. Um, you know. So before it can be converted into to nitrate, which is which is what is leached, ah, so right. it's really driven by soil temperature. So that kind of gives you a window of opportunity to, you know, if you can get your catch crop in, yep. it's going to take time for that nitrogen to be converted to, to nitrate. It's going to take time for your catch crop to essentially come away. So therefore, it can okay. can yeah it can ah, okay work so, on. Pardon my ignorance. Soil science was my worst subject when I was at Lincoln, so this is all a good refresher for me. So that's uh, the urine departed on, um, deposit on the soil. That's mm-hmm. it's not an instant process starting to go through leaching. There's that whole no, it's um, not. Conversion. It's got to go through through nitrification 
So it's got to be converted from ammonium as nitrate. Mm -hmm. So so when it's still held in an ammonium mm -hmm. form, the soil can hold on to it. Okay. So and then it's very much so it's a microbial process and also driven by temperature. So mm -hmm. the higher the temperature, the greater the nitrification rates or the greater okay. the production of nitrate. Um, so so during those cool months, there is a window of opportunity to actually um, for the catch crop to, to mm -hmm. have an effect. But as I said, it's more spring leaching um, rather okay. than. And so that's the issue, you know, traditionally after a winter crop, uh, it's finished grazing, it basically sits fallow until mm. sometime in the spring it gets cultivated, broken that's down, right. sits, and then th that's the issue that time it's actually sitting there fallow, this this process is going on yep. you're talking about is what we're yep. trying to interrupt. Yeah, that's okay. exactly right. Oh, gotcha. So um, let's get on to that establishment point and that, you know, winter and wet and getting it on early. Um, Earlier the better, but what what's the trade-off? I mean, is it just when you can physically get a tractor or a machine out there to sow, to cultivate, to get it established that you're in there? I mean, the, um, that's all you're waiting for. It's not soil temperature or anything like that. It's just the moment you can physically get out and sow something into that paddock. Yeah, I, I think that, that is it really. It's about when you can actually get on. So, you know, we've had trials where we've been able to, to get on the ground and, we've, and those crops have experienced quite a number of, of frosts. Mm -hmm. um, so... So the oats, in particular the oats are what we've been mm -hmm. doing most of our work around, they, they can handle some pretty harsh uh, conditions. So, um, but, there, but there will be failures, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But if you can get on the ground you know, and you're, you're physically able to, to get on with a tractor and drill, mm -hmm. then, then we would, we would uh, suggest yeah. that you, you do that. So getting the crop established, um, you mentioned some of the talking points and the information I've seen to get in with, with minimal cultivation um, basically as soon as the tractor can get on the ground. Mm. Is that just to get the crop in as soon as possible or is it you actually would actively trying to avoid a lot of cultivation and disturbance of the soil? Yeah, well, it certainly means that, yeah, so the sooner we can get in, on, to, on and, and sow the crop, mm -hmm. the better, but it's also about trying to reduce any further risks of nitrate mm -hmm. leaching. So the more we cultivate the soil, the more we warm it up. Therefore, our nitrification rates um, can happen a bit faster, mm -hmm. but we can also get more nitrogen coming into the, the leachable pool yep. from the, the organic pool. So mm -hmm. there's potential to, to make the problem um, a little bit worse. But, but then again, if the soils need some cultivation, it yep. means that you'll be able to get on earlier by cultivating, then you, yep. then you need to do that. Yeah, It's a bit of a, a fine balance, and it, and it will look, look different from yep. sort of paddock to paddock. And, yeah. There's no hard and fast rules, but no. good practice, if you can... Trying to reduce, yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. So, I mean, you mentioned um, direct drilling or light cultivation. I mean, is it even, particularly with cereals, is it, is it, have you tried or is it possible just um, broadcast in Harrow or something like that? Or, or what's the, what are the, I guess the, how, how, uh, how minimal can you go? Yeah, well, we have, we've done one trial. Um, we did it at Ashley Dean. This is in a pretty dry winter on a stony mm -hmm. soil where we did um, have some plots that we, that we broadcast. Now we did do some um, some pre sort of surface working of the soil because mm -hmm. it was after uh, particularly dry winter and the soil was completely capped, yep. so it would just be like sprinkling the seed yeah. onto concrete. So we did actually do some surface working, um, and so we broadcast it and then we ran the maxi till over it, and populations were quite a lot less mm -hmm. than where we had direct drilled or or sort of cultivated plots before we drilled. Um, but we we still saw some reasonable yield, so mm -hmm. I think there's potential to to be able to, to broadcast. Um, but as I said, it's only one trial in a particularly dry winter, so um, can't be mm -hmm. too certain about how it would look on yep. a different uh, soil type or in a different climate. 
Um, we did actually um, have a proof of concept plot um, where we sprinkled oat seeds mm-hmm. um, on the uh, the fodder wheat crop itself. So just before the cows graze, just to see mm-hmm. if you know, if we um, if the cows are able to trample the seed into the ground um, during grazing, you know, mm-hmm. with that oat seed establishing yep. and come away. Um, Probably because it was a very dry winter, a lot yeah. of surface capping, we didn't get anything coming through. Yeah. Oh, as farmers start to get their head around this, I can guarantee you can have lots of little field trials of people trying all sorts. If yeah. um, one thing people like to do is experiment and see what they can do. Um, coming back, so you've talked about cereals, in particular oats, um, and you touched on it briefly at the start, but let's go into that in a bit more detail. Why cereals over something like an Italian ryegrass, as an example? What's the advantage? It, it's basically because it's slightly bigger seed, mm-hmm. so there's um, there's a greater chance that that um, plant or that seed will germinate and, and establish. Um, mm-hmm. it tends to have a slightly lower base temperature, so it's able to to grow under particularly cold conditions. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're talking about trying to sow these in, in June and July. Yep. So particularly cold, where yep. we can have you know like frost on mm-hmm. end. Um, so yeah, we, and we've just seen a greater amount of biomass that um, accumulates. Um, and the cereals compared to the grasses, and and, t- and they are taking out more nitrogen. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's the size of the seed, the ability to establish a temperature, rather than anything um, physiological about the plant itself. I mean, a cereal's better, um, all other things being equal, it's sucking up nitrogen than a grass. Or, or... yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the other uh, physiology of yep. those two plants I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about but mm-hmm. just in the trials that we have run you know um, they certainly yep. are pulling up more nitrogen yeah and I think I it really just comes around comes down to winter activity yeah and that as early as good as early as possible um so you said you've used oats mm. I mean has there been any work or is there any reason to expect um things like rye corn wheat barley triticale would be better or worse yeah, so we've done a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a trial last year where we experimented with all of those mm-hmm. those cereals. Um, so yeah, we had oats, we had rye corn, triticale, wheat and barley. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, there wasn't a lot of difference between those crops. Mm-hmm. I mean, we weren't uh, measuring uh, leaching as such. It was more looking at the um, accumulation yep. of the of um, of uh, the crop in terms of dry matter and, and nitrogen uptake, and looking at changes in soil mm-hmm. nitrogen. Um, but Probably the, of those five, um, the top three would probably be um, oats, triticale and, and rye corn. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps rye corn, you know, might mm. be slightly better yep. in term, you know, during the earlier growing, growing mm-hmm. weeks. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're, all, they, they're all pretty well suited um, in terms of using mm. them for, for catch crops. And, and I guess, you know, with those, those different crops, there are potentially different end uses Mm. So, um, like rye corn tends to mature a bit earlier. It's probably probably better if you're wanting to get a real environmental um, effect, mm-hmm. and, and then get your next crop in early okay. because it sort of matures early. Yep. Um, oats is is good if you're wanting a good amount of biomass, mm-hmm. um, and and as well as a good quality crop if you take it through to to mm-hmm. green crop. But it's not so good as a whole crop. There's other crops like um, like barley and wheat. Potentially, they're not as good environmentally, although mm-hmm. they're not too far behind. But they give you other options in terms yeah. of using them for whole crop yep. or for grain. So it just depends on farm system mm. and you know and what suits yep. best. So at this stage, any one of those five people can consider. It's not you know they, they'll yep. they'll get a benefit. It just and and yep. then the other decision makings around how it fits in their farm system. Yeah, yeah that's, there's no that's problem right. there. Yep. I mean, but even even the grasses. 
you know they can be used yep. but, but the feeling is that they won't give you that, that environmental yep. impact like the like cereals so that uh, same reason around soil um, temperature seed size and, and and early biomass accumulation would be mm. the reason why things summer forages like turnips rape forage brassicas that sort of thing aren't yes. worth using I mean they, they will would they actually still have any benefit it's hard to know I mean I'm sure they might have some benefit but um, yeah I, I haven't Full actually uh, sown yeah. them in, yeah. in winter to see how they go yeah um, no that but, would be the but yeah yeah it's not I, I just sorry to harp on there it's not the crop per se it's that getting it in early before spring that, that the process is happening yeah, potentially the key. but there are crops that, that we think are are going to be better suited to this um, than others. Yeah. So I, I guess for a farmer, it depends on you know what's his priority. Is it mm-hmm. about really trying to reduce in leaching as much as mm-hmm. he can, or is it more about you know how that crop fits yep. into the system and, and making sure feed is available at the right time and yep. that sort of thing? So there are trade-offs. Yep. Yeah. No. And um, the earlier you go, the greater the benefit the cereals. I'd imagine in terms of they're the only ones yep. that are going to get up and get going at that that time of year. So. Okay, um, the five cereals, and this, we've talked about the variation within that. Um, we're going with cereals. What are we aiming for? And you did touch a little bit on this before about plant population. How much seed should we be using? What sort of plant population should we be aiming for and, and why? Yeah, so we have been aiming for relatively high plant populations because essentially we want to try and get to canopy closure as early as we can. Mm-hmm. So um, typically for a cereal or for a grain crop, Plant populations will be somewhere between, at that time of year, somewhere between 200 and 250 plants per square metre. But in this mm-hmm. case, we've bumped it up to 300 plants per square metre. So quite a high high um, plant, plant population mm-hmm. just to try and get to, to canopy closure as early as possible. So how many kilos of seed per hectare is that? That's about 110, 120 yep. kilograms of seed per hectare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why, you mentioned canopy closure a couple of times there, what, why is that important? Um, essentially, when the crop gets to canopy closure, that's where it's capturing you know, as much light as, okay. as possible, and it really the crop really no, takes off at that point. So it starts taking up a lot more nitrogen, and okay. um, and, and really puts on the the biomass. Yep. Off so it's sunlight so. interception, not uh, covering the ground per se. That's the issue. Yeah, that's there. right. Yep. 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 Um, have you? And I actually think. I might not have written it down, but somewhere in the notes you talked about a mix of, uh, not just straight cereal, but actually having some Italian ryegrass or something in the mix. Yeah, yeah. So farm, some farmers have tried that. So, mm-hmm. And I guess uh, the benefit to that potentially is that um, that they're able to take a, a silage cut of their oats mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the spring, so in November, and then you get the regrowth from the Italian ryegrass. Um, so it means that that paddock can come back into rotation a bit earlier. There is mm-hmm. some potential trade-off in terms of compromising the performance of the oats. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not 100% sure on what that, that compromisation is. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, but, it, but for some farmers, it, it kind of has worked for them. So we've mm-hmm. had a group of monitor uh, farmers in the Forages for Reduced Nitrate yep. Leaching Program that have tried these catch crops, and, and that was, that was one, one mix that yep. they were keen to use, and, and it did work, and, um, yep. and they... They got a, a decent amount of uh, biomass from the oats in the Italian yep. mix. So you would still have seen in that case, or you did see in that case, a, um, a positive benefit in leaching reduction, even with that. Yeah, we were only really uh, measuring um, the the crop um, mm-hmm. itself, and also some changes yep. in, in soil nitrogen. 
Um, so you can't be confident in what the actual leaching reduction but was. But still confident that what's ab- done. Absolutely. Yep. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's what happens when you get out on farm and people start showing initiative and trying all sorts of things. So it's just right. interesting to see how far they can push it. Um, so uh, by, you, you've sort of touched on one of the keys is that uh, maximising biomass to mm. effectively suck up. You know, it's probably not yep. the right technical term. Um, Fertiliser use. Um, we'll get on to nitrogen fertiliser in a minute, which was an interesting one I saw in the notes, but your standard ones, your, your phosphate, your potassium and your sulphur. Mm. Any recommendations, advice, findings around that? I guess it probably comes down to, you know, if you do some soil tests mm-hmm. and you show that and you see that, that some of those nutrients are limiting, then it would pay to put some on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but by and large, um, we haven't well, we haven't yet been putting anything on with our with our catch crops at the start so okay we putting on any DAP or anything yep. um so it's just it's normal practice there there's no pretty much over, no it is yep. yeah although we do have a trial and um in southland this year we're in other buffer areas mm-hmm. of the trial we're just putting on some different rates of P just to see if that does help with yep. with um the establishment yep but you also well you mentioned there with DAP and I you know some of the notes we were talking about beforehand you have mentioned and it, it sounded counterintuitive initially that we we're showing these catch crops to suck up free nitrogen but that um, a moderate or small amount of of something like urea or nitrogen fertilizer can actually mm-hmm. be beneficial um, why and why is that not actually uh, yeah counterproductive. Yeah, so I think the the key thing here is around the timing of when that nitrogen fertiliser is actually mm-hmm. applied. So we're not saying apply nitrogen fertiliser at the start um, or anything like that. Mainly, yep. It's mainly from, say, middle of October onwards, okay. uh, which is getting outside of the, the leaching period, so mm-hmm. it's not going to, to add any any potential issues there in terms okay. of increasing nitrogen leaching. Um, but, but, but sometimes the crops can become a bit nitrogen stressed, so just to try and um, prove your... Your yields at, at, at green chop and and, um, and you know and to make sure you've got a decent amount of yep. crude protein in, in the feed if you're wanting to feed it out then some nitrogen can be helpful but well I mean in our trials we've done some work with nitrogen and the, the results have been a bit inconsistent I think it just comes down to the soil type and the season that you get inconsistent um, in terms of yield response that's right but but more consistent in terms of um, of the amount of nitrogen in the crop and mm-hmm. so more around crop quality I guess. The amounts you're talking though will be large amounts, or you're just talking a moderate uh, sort of a dressing, small dressing. Oh, with a, a relatively smallish uh, dressing of about fifty units of N per hectare mm-hmm. um, around end of October, early November, mm-hmm. and, and that's and that's really when the crop is taking off at that point. So yeah. um, there's not a huge amount of of biomass that is accumulated mm. by you know by September October. It's really through when it starts. The, yeah, that's right. But, but but even when the even though the crop is is relatively small during those leaching months or during those spring leaching months, it's still doing something. So the nitrogen percent in the crop is still quite high, mm-hmm. still transpiring water um, and reducing mm-hmm. drainage. So it is still doing something, even though it doesn't look like this much there. Yeah. I just want to pick up on something again. It sounds counterintuitive, and and you said that it, it, nitrogen can be limiting for the crop, and hence why we apply a bit of urea. Does that mean it's used up everything in the soil, or 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 the what's in the soil it can't easily access? What we're planting these to, you know, yep. again it might not be the right term, but to suck up free nitrogen in the soil. Yeah. And yet you're saying here the crop is actually nitrogen limited. What's going on? Yeah. Well, the the catch crop is not going to to take up all of the mm-hmm. nitrogen that's there, particularly in wet years. So there mm-hmm. will be quite a lot of leaching that occurs. Yep. So so we're still not 100 percent sure on what the leaching reduction is yep. in particularly wet years, but. But on, on light soils, 
where you do get a lot of, of winter uh, drainage and spring yep. drainage. Um, it'll take up some of that nitrogen mm-hmm. and, and reduce some leaching to an extent. Mm. But, but you know, the fact that you're still going to have leaching occurring means that the soil can still yep. become deficient of, of so nitrogen. So is that saying by that time, that mid-October time, it's effectively done all it can do in benefiting leaching? Mainly, from yeah. then on, it's about yield. Yep. It will still take up a bit more nitrogen, but mm-hmm. certainly the nitrogen contents start to really decline when it's putting yep. on that biomass. So, so getting into, into November, it's putting on uh, biomass at a much greater rate than it's taking out nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, look, it's just when you see um, something about reducing nitrate leaching, it says <laughs> possibly apply nitrogen. I'm sort of right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we... I think that's the key is, yep. is not putting it on during those leaching months. Yep. It's, it's the so timing. It's the timing. And the amount. It's yep. Yep. Well, good management practice for nitrogen use. Mm. Okay. So we've, we've done all this. We've gone through. We've got it in. We've applied fertilizer as needed, established, maybe a bit of nitrogen. What can we use that crop for? Um, say it's a cereal, we'll, we'll go with this end, but, and, and does that impact the effectiveness of the of the, the catch crop? I mean, if you graze it in situ, in place, and the animals then urinate on the ground and so on, is that mm. going to reduce the effectiveness, or is that okay? I mean, it's all about timing. What's the Yeah, I think, that, again, it comes, around, it comes down to the timing mm-hmm. of when you actually graze and when that urine is going back on onto onto the ground mm-hmm. um, but essentially you know from from october or from uh, mid-october onwards if you want to graze the crop you know nitrogen's going back onto the soil but it, it's out of that that leaching um yep. period as such so so essentially it's just about pulling the nitrogen out Mm-hmm. During those leaching months, and if it goes back on to the, to the yep. surface, then it's still got to go through nitrification yep. and those processes again before it can be be leached. Mm-hmm. And, but that's at the start of the warmer months when mm-hmm. when you know um, when when leaching is not such an issue. So so yeah, so so grazing is an option. Some farmers could even um, uh, incorporate it into the soil, so bank their nitrogen mm. and use it for the next crop. That's another option. Um, but but the good thing with the cereals is that if you leave them in for a, um, a sufficient amount of time, you can actually get a quite a good amount of biomass accumulating, mm-hmm. particularly at that green chop silage okay. stage, um, which is around sort of the middle to the end of November. So we've seen yields of between six and ten, or even up to to twelve ton of dry matter mm-hmm. per hectare. So um, yeah, so that's that's uh, one option is to ensile it yep. and and to either feed it out um, mm-hmm. the next winter or or whenever the feed is is needed. Yep. But, but the, but the, the timing of when you actually take that solid is important too. So if you leave it for too long after that green chop stage, mm-hmm. you know, when pretty much all the airs are out and mm-hmm. yeah, you really start to get declines in the amount of metabolizable energy that's in the crop. Okay, so it's not a it's not a negative impact there to the the catch crop function around nitrate leaching, but then it no. becomes around yeah. um, the feed quality and quantity that you've got. For yeah, the yeah, that's yeah. right. And we haven't run trials to prove that as such but, mm-hmm. but we know that these are the leaching months yep. um, and so essentially any nitrogen that is deposited onto mm-hmm. the soil from you know October onwards yep. is not going to be um, a risk to leaching. So if you get it in early leave it to at least what mid-October you're talking as a rough rule of thumb? Yeah. Yep. Then it's yep. done yep. its, it's yep. nitrate leaching job and from then on the yep. management is about your your stock and your, and your system. system. That's right. Yep. Yep. Okay you can um, again, it's you know you don't want to be too general, but almost anything you do from mid October on isn't going to impact nitrate leaching, but it is going to start impacting feed quality and those sorts of things. Is that yeah, potentially. Yeah, okay. yeah. So the um, you talked there about reincorporation. That's the green manure. So grow mm. the crop and yep, what, plow it back in or, or back in. yep. 
Okay, no issues there with ploughing then and the cultivation and by that you passed mid October again. Yes, yeah, that's right. No. Okay, so there's no benefit. Um, again, get to mid October. I was thinking of you know cereals that are wheat and barley held for for you can hold them right through to crop, for example, take yeah. grain. Yep. yep, yep. But there's uh, or triticale, which can have you know multiple grazings um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that sort of ability. But those are system advantages rather than nitrate leaching advantages. You know, the, the fact that that crop can be used for a lot longer than yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. okay. I'm learning things as we go through this and getting my getting head around this sort of thing. So, okay, we've got all that. Um, let's get back to the basics again in terms of the importance of soil type. So you've done some work here at Lincoln. I think you said on relatively light soils um, initially, but then obviously some people are winter grazing on some of their better or heavier soils. Mm. What's the the variability in the effectiveness of this this catch crop? idea or approach um, how does soil type impact on it well obviously the soil type has an effect on nitrate leaching full stop so Uh we tend to get higher leaching losses on the the lighter soils compared to other heavier soils Um, in terms of the relative um, effect of the crops and how that that Uh might might differ between the soil types um, is a little bit unclear at this stage we've just started to to look at those uh, soil type differences Um, but but essentially, probably the the greatest reductions are probably going to be on the light soils. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So we can actually get on the ground for a start on the on the light soils potentially earlier, mm-hmm. um, and just purely the fact that the the leaching losses yep. probably not as high on these okay. deep soils means that it's going to reduce the mm-hmm. the relative effect, I guess, of yep. the oats um, on leaching. Yep. So the initial research, if I remember from what you said, was on lighter soils. Yep, but you started right. to move as well. Once you've proof of concept, you've been moving on to heavier yeah, soils. Yeah, that's right. So, still so see a benefit. It's just that it's going to be yeah, yeah, different because of the yep. leaching potential. Yeah, that's right. So, so the first bit of work was done using lysimeters. Um, Peter Carey at Lincoln University, as part of the Pastoral mm-hmm. Twenty One program, um, did the initial work on on leaching losses from urine patches and looking at the effect of of catch crops mm-hmm. there. Um, and then through this FRNL program, we've started to look at different soil types. So looking at still relatively free-draining soils, like uh, your Templetons uh-huh. that we have here in Canterbury. Um, and then we're also moving to, to Southland to see what impact the catch crops might have down there. Uh-huh. So again, a, a yep. whole suite of, of challenges associated yep. with that. Yep. <laughs> Got a good concept now. It's about refining it a wee bit and working yeah. out some of the details. Yeah. One of those issues that came up, you know, when this idea first came up and we started talking about it in sheep and beef farms is that um, there's been a lot of work since the mid-80s when there's some bad droughts and work on that around fallowing and retaining soil moisture for mm. them when you sow the crop. So um, this is, and you talked about one of the reasons this work is plant transpiration and taking yeah. moisture out. So what can you tell us about that risk where normally people would shut up after their winter crop, try and keep that moisture in the soil, to mm-hmm. then sow something in later to use that moisture and get through the, the summer and autumn and next winter? Using this, how much of an impact, what work have you done on that? Is this a risk, the fact we're taking that moisture and using it in spring rather than uh, carrying it through? I think it's certainly a risk. So, mm-hmm. so something that farmers would have to be aware of, you know, how important is the production of mm-hmm. their next crop? Um, well, and, and I guess it's also going to come down to you know, um, you know how important is it for them to reduce their leaching. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's kind of weighing it up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, certainly these crops do pull out moisture. So yep. if you're a dry land uh, farmer where yep. you're wanting to conserve moisture, 
um, there's potential to to seriously have um, or to mm. minimize or to reduce the 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 capacity of your next crop to yeah. you know mm. to, to put biomass on. Um, so yeah, I mean. I, it's a bit of a tricky one. It really just comes yep. down about how heavily you know, regulated you are, and and you know, and yep. the importance of reducing leaching versus the importance of your next crop. Yeah, well, there's, there's, that's the thing. There's never a free lunch, and that's obviously one. Of them. And when you see, you know, when you, you read about this and see one of the reasons why it works is that ability, the transpiration and moisture, effectively mm. drying out the soil. Yeah, if it, bluntly, then um, that sort of uh, raises some questions. But again, as you say. Um, the environment in which we farm, regulatory as well as physical, is is, is changing, and so um, putting the the crop in wherever we liked perhaps isn't the way we're going to be able to go in the future. And some of these things mm. are, are what so, have to come into it. Yeah, so just sort of picking up on that a bit more. Um, that's really why we've also looked at crops um, like your wheat and your barley's or yep. you know, these are cereals that can be mm-hmm. taken through, and, you know, and yep. and have like a range of end uses. Uh, essentially, you know, just. Yeah, in could terms be of options taken as a farmers, yeah. Yep. Um. So that's uh, sort of the the life cycle effectively we've been through, and as you've gone along, you've raised a few things that we're not sure or you're going to be working on. Mm. Where to from here for this project? What um, with those questions you've raised and the work you've got, what's the work that's going on over the next few years? What are you you're looking at? What hoping to find out? Um, well, we're still trying to get a better handle on what the actual leaching reductions are, mm-hmm. you know, given the soils and, and uh, the climates. Um, and a part of our work also is um, using our, our data to um, to feed into models where we can mm-hmm. can get a better idea on what the the regional performances of the catch crops are, and you know what effect the soil type has, and you know what's the the leaching reduction on an average year, because that's essentially um, what will be an overseer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're talking about long term averages. Yep. Um, and then it's also about trying to just answer some of the practical questions mm-hmm. around you know getting the crop in the ground and 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 the likes you know and and seeing what effect the soils um, and the climate have on that. Mm-hmm. So um, we've just started a, a catch crop SFF, um, mm-hmm. which has been led by Lincoln Agritech through through Peter Carey, where we've got um, on farm trial sites mm-hmm. in Canterbury and Southland, yep. um, and really that's about looking at, at species again, at the soil type. Um, the, the the main winter crop mm-hmm. um, and the establishment our technique yep. so um, and yeah and we've got three years to to look at those different uh, factors and so yeah potentially we can come up with some pretty novel ways of um, of getting the crop in the ground and getting some decent establishment yep. sustainable farming fund project with MPI funding yep. um, also got industry funding yep Yep, so um, we've got various partners um, involved. Um, so if uh, fertiliser companies mm-hmm. and, and seed companies, um, so the likes of Beef and Lamb and, yep. and Dairy and Z, um, and then we've got two main corporate uh, farming enterprises, so um, so Landcorp mm-hmm. um, as well as Craigmore Farms are involved. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and, and yeah, as I said, it's really about trying to, to, yep. to nail down some of these practical challenges mm-hmm. that farmers are facing. And it's part of a suite, if you like, you talked about what crop is sown for the winter, mm. for a start, as well as the stuff that we've talked about in the other podcast about how you graze it and manage it, and then the catch crops. I mean, this, this isn't a standalone, it's sort of a package of trying to reduce nitrate leaching. It's yeah, really I mean, it is still still focused yep. around um, uh, the catch crop, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, but also how it fits into into the system. So, yep. we'll, so whatever we do on, our, mm. on the farms, it's got to fit yep. within their system, so we'll have... 
it will have quite a suite of, mm. well, you know, of um, of rotations that have been mm-hmm. been looked at um, yep. in the in the various regions. So you've got all those various companies involved who will obviously be um, yeah got the information coming out. But at the moment, um, we've obviously had this podcast. We've talked about a number of things. If people want more information, people still like to see um, hard copy or a fact sheet or something, or I don't know where there's any video. Where else can we go for information at the moment to find out about the catch crops? Um, yep. So you can. So DRNZ are the leaders of mm-hmm. the Foragers Produce Nitrate Leaching Program. So um, head to their website. They've got. Um, rundown on the program itself as, as well as some of the key messages around catch crops um, um, and obviously feel free to, to get hold of me at, um, mm-hmm. at brendan.malcolm at plantandfood.co.nz happy to pass on more information or, or, or have a chat um, but yeah and others probably uh, yeah, beef and lamb will have it on their website too no doubt yep no the podcast will be online we'll put some links in there to various bits and pieces and actually what spurred this podcast um, was us talking with AgResearch and yourselves about um, yeah, getting a fact sheet or two about some of this, this catch crop stuff, particularly in, um, in uh, sheep and beef environments, I mm. guess, which I know is part of that. Even though it was mainly a Dairy and Z project, there has been at least two sheep and beef farms, I think, involved. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, so quite a bit. Um, actually, that's a, the farmers that have been involved, I know one of them quite well, but um, they're going to carry on with this concept. They've, they've found it works for them in their environment. Yeah, well, I've just been talking with Ag Research just in the last sort of couple of days about mm-hmm. um, establishing those plots. So I'm going down to, to visit one of the sheep and beef mm-hmm. farmers tomorrow, actually. So just to yep. talk through their system and um, find out what their challenges are and you know and what our options might be in terms of catch crops. But yeah, the intention of the earth is to, to set up some yep. plots and, and to monitor those in terms of yep. you know the biomass production of the, the catch crop, nitrogen yep. uptake and changes in soil nitrogen. And that's a real, I mean, that's not a, a trial farm or research farm, that's an actual bona fide commercial farm, and so far so good, they're pretty, that's right. they're pretty keen on the concept. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's just about trying to give some, some confidence around what they're trying to do. Um, but yes, obvious uh, challenges, um, you know, without irrigation. Yep. Yeah. Um, again, trying to conserve yeah. that moisture, um, but, but yeah. No free lunches, but um, at the end of the day you do, yeah. I don't want to extend the metaphor too far, but you do have to eat, so we've got to work, find out some way of making it work. So. That's right. All right, look, I think uh, we've done a pretty good coverage there. Is there anything we've missed or anything you particularly want to cover off before we do our wrap-up, Brendan? No, I think that's it. That's really, yep. yeah. Yep. And there's plenty more information available, and we'll make that available in the in the description of this podcast. So, look, uh, last chance sale. How about you wrap it all up? If um, we've been through all this, maybe those talking points again, why should, um, you know, Farmers, sheep and beef, dairy, whatever that are winter cropping, seriously consider putting a catch crop in their in their system. Yeah, it's really about trying to reduce nitrate leaching. So we've been able to to show that sowing a catch crop during those really cool, harsh months of the year can um, actually reduce leaching losses, and mm-hmm. it can actually, you know, um, provide a, a decent amount of biomass. It can yep. improve your your annual biomass production. So um, so yeah, even though they're having to deal with some pretty harsh environments that yep. are still seen to, to be growing and, and having an effect on nitrate leaching. Brilliant. No, look, I know, you know, four or five years ago when a lot of this stuff started to really bite, for want of a better word, out there, um, there was a, a little bit of, not hands in the air, but a bit of, well, what can we do? And it's actually been interesting to see there are some really practical and even better effective steps coming out in terms of managing the loss of sediment, E. coli, phosphorus into into surface water and nitrate leaching 
um, already in the research that's been done over the last few years. So there are things that can have significant impact on farm. And you've heard about one of them today. So look, thank you all for listening to the podcast and especially uh, thank you to Brennan for joining us and giving us your time to have a, a talk about this idea. Absolutely fine. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much.